0: Broadcasting live across the great state of Montana. Powered by the Montana Electric Cooperative Association. Your Montana Electric Cooperative. They do much more than keep the lights on for you this is montana talks with aaron flint
1: well i'll tell you we got a couple of great guests kicking off the program for us here on this friday this freedom friday montana talks but in the second half of this show we'll probably have to free up some time where we just open up the phone lines for anything and everything you want to talk about because man what a big news day it is What a big news day it was yesterday afternoon. For those of you who haven't heard the news yet or didn't see it on our Montana Talks website shortly after the news broke right after four o'clock in the afternoon on Thursday, Politico was first to report Montana Congressman Matt Rosendale is dropping out of the U.S. Senate race. Rosendale just announced that he was running for the U.S. Senate last Friday. Remember, we told you that news while we were broadcasting live from the gate show in Glendive. And then just a few hours later, President Trump came out and endorsed Navy SEAL veteran and Republican U.S. Senate candidate Tim Sheehy. The question now is, will Rosendale run for reelection in the U.S. House of Representatives or is he done with Congress altogether? We'll get to that story in the second half of, of the program this morning. Take your phone calls and more. But mention we got a couple of great guests here to kick things off uh, with us here this morning. Uh, the Montana Women are having their annual meeting this weekend and the national president for the American Women is already in town and in the house with us uh, right now on Montana Talks. Rose Tryon, great to see you.
2: Well, hi, thanks for having me here. It's really good to see you. It's nice to meet you.
1: It's great to see you. We've been talking a little bit about some of the big picture agriculture stuff in the news this week uh, in particular. But uh, yeah, you're the national president uh, and you've got a law enforcement background. Of course, you've got, you know, agricultural background. You actually still live in California. (laughs) I I mean, how do you still survive on the other side of the Iron Curtain? Because a lot of people have escaped in the last three years. They said, I can't take it anymore. I can't take it.
2: (laughs) So first, I think it's good to start out with saying that Northern California is a whole lot different than the rest of California. It's like
1: a different country altogether. It it really
2: is. Northern California, it's, it's much more Midwestern values. It's, uh, much more agriculture is there. Um, so yeah, it's, it's different. And so that's where I'm from. I'm, uh, originally from Northwestern California in a, a small community, uh, Del County. Um, my family is fifth generation farmers. The land that I, uh, currently own right now has been in my family's name since 1884. Wow. So, uh, you know, as all farmers, it's been a struggle for us to hang on to it, but we're still there. We're still farming, and and um, right now I haven't rented out, and I am over in Paradise, California, and uh, I'll be moving back to the ranch before too long.
1: Well, in Paradise, California, that town name might ring a bell for a lot of folks because Paradise, the whole community went up in flames uh in in one of the fires here in recent years and so definitely want to hear more about your incredible story. Uh plus we've got Meg Forin in the house here. She's the past president of the Montana Agri Women and uh you know her and the whole family at Nutrilix. Uh that's where everybody knows knows Meg and family from. Uh but we'll talk uh with both of them and we'll take your phone calls if you want to jump in on, you know, uh, the discussion about agriculture. Hey, give us a ring 406-294-0970.
0: This is where Montana talks.
1: Montana talks with Aaron Flint. All right. Well, let's welcome Meg Foran here, uh, the past president of the Montana Agriwoman uh, to the show as well. And, Meg, always great to see you and, and your whole family and the whole crew from Neutralix as well. But, you know, I, what I love about the Montana Agriwoman is you'll take... Tough policy stances. You'll debate some of these big policy issues, and you aren't afraid to speak out on them. And, and that's part of what you're doing at your annual meeting. Anyway, before we we go back to the national president here, what do you want to tell us about the upcoming Montana AgriWomen Women meeting and uh, what all is going to be discussed?
3: Sure. So that is coming up tomorrow, tomorrow Saturday at the Billings Hotel and Convention Center. Registration starts at nine. Meeting starts at nine thirty. We have our general business meeting where we'll uh, talk about those issues and kind of talk about our strategic planning for the year. We also have our election of officers, and we have a few speakers. Among them, who we have here is Rose Tryon, who we're thrilled to have. She can really give us that national viewpoint on agriculture. And we also have Montana Senator Butch Gillespie. He's going to give us some legislative insight on that. And we like to call him the first gentleman of Montana agri because our current <laughs> president is Doreen Gillespie, his wife. And oh, she's nice. Just done an excellent job. Yeah. And we also have our featured speaker is Judy Wagner. She's kind of an icon in the Western industry. If you are part of rodeo or... Anything to that effect you you know who she is, and if you don 't you're going to want to know who she is. so we have a great program lined up for yeah, because she had a
1: big role at uh, Montana Silversmith yeah, was, was the the like the CMO Martin there officer
3: yeah. there so, and she just uh, retired from that job and is a brand advocate for them, but she also has uh, she coined ranch grown logic, which is uh just a consulting company and she has a really great viewpoint and she's going to discuss that with our members on that day. So we're really looking forward to tomorrow. It's open to everybody. A little bit about us as an organization is we're all facets of agriculture. So it's kind of bringing that united front to the world because as an industry, we're very easily divided. Commodities are divided and things like that. So we, we kind of give that space to join together so we can have that single viewpoint and uh, just a reasoned, well-informed voice for agriculture. That's yeah, really that's
1: right. I bet Judy's got a few uh, silver buckles uh, that she's <laughs> earned over the years, <laughs> that's, that's for sure, with her time at not only in, in rodeo but at uh, Montana Silversmiths as well. Uh, Rose, uh, try on the uh, national president for the American Agri-Women. You know, there's a couple of stories that I've been talking about here over the past few weeks i listened to this fascinating podcast from dr jordan peterson that canadian psychologist with ava Vlardingerbrook, who's been standing up for the farmers in europe just crazy to see what's happening in europe right now where they're trying to force mandatory reductions of farmland they're trying to raise the gas taxes targeting the farmers in germany they're deliberately trying to force farmland out of production but then again they're trying to do that here in america too
2: yeah, you know it's really interesting how things have come full circle. So, uh, American Agri Women is going to be celebrating their fifty years um, this this coming um, November, and it's almost like we started because um, we wanted to be able to speak on behalf of the busy farmer, right? And and one of the things that American Agri Women does that most other or, women's organizations doesn't do, and we really focus on policy because we figured out long ago that it's really policy that drives. You know some of the really horrible things that happens in agriculture and um you know regulations are are crazy um and and we find that in california a lot too that it, you know and farmers in a lot of ways just feel like they're under attack at this point you know whether it's water rights or air quality and and everybody's saying you know we all want to take care of the planet and really farmers and ranchers are the original stewards of the of the land That's right. i mean if you look at me my family has owned our property since 1884, right? Do you think that we're not going to take care of it? I mean, it's part of who we are. It's part of our way of life. And so, um, you know, I think that, that it's about power and control sometimes. You know, there's, there's a certain group that just wants to control all the land and control the And they, the they
1: virtue signal and pretend that they care about the environment. And they lecture people like you that actually protect the environment and improve wildlife habitat. I, you know, I was a kid in the 80s. And I remember the Captain Planet cartoon and you know, and things like that. And I, I remember doing an Earth Day cleanup, right, Earth Day. But I, I always remember my, my grandma you know, told me when, when I was in the, you know, a small town on the high line of Montana, she told me back then, she says, our farmers and ranchers, Earth Day is every day. They're the ones that actually care for our environment. So she, she wasn't putting up with all this virtue signaling nonsense back then.
2: Exactly. And I think that's one of the things, um, so for my administration in the next two years, You know, our hashtag we're using is Ag Women Unite. And so what we want to do is bring in um, all the agricultural women's organizations, have them come join us and be part of it. And, you know, really, the more voices that we have Mm -hmm. focused on um, on events and, and policy, I think the better off that we are. So that's one of the things that that we're focused on this next year is
1: is bringing all the ag, ag women. What's the most important policy discussion you've had in the last year, or maybe that you need to have in the next year?
2: Oh, there's just so many of them. It feels like it's it's uh it's nonstop. Um, we just s- submitted co- comments not long ago um, about BLM and you know their how they want to. Um, how they're, they're reorganizing the use uses of of blm land um and what they want to do is have some of it go into con- conservation whereas you know that's not what it was designed for it mm-hmm. was designed for people to use farmers ranchers and things like that which meant that if they were able to do this then they would be able to tie up leases for a period of time another thing that we worked on is um wildfire. And we've been um, really trying to focus and get people to focus on responsible forest management.
1: Yeah, they're, they're basically trying to take FLIPMA and flip it on its head and, and do the opposite of what these laws were intended to be there for. And much like pulling land out of production in Europe, they're using 30 by 30 initiatives to try to pull land out of production here in America at the same time. All right, more to follow right for this quick break right here on Montana Talks.
0: Montana is talking here. This is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint.
1: We've got Rose Tryon, the national president for the American Women, and also Meg Foran, the past president of the Montana AgroWomen in the house with us here. Taking your phone calls as well. If you want to jump in on the conversation, 406-294-0970, or you can message us. On our Montana talks app, you know we were talking about this off air during the break but but rose madam President, I, I, I think our listeners would be fascinated to hear this because you know you 're like uh, you know like an endangered species. it seems <laughs> like uh, you know a farmer rancher that is still in California because you 're right I mean northern california it 's like a totally different country, but but even elsewhere in California, you get into that farm country in the middle of the state you know, a little further from the coast and it's a totally different country, but yet you are dominated by Los Angeles and San Francisco that shoves everything down your throat. Um, I I was, I was talking about how I I saw a funny story about, about hydropower dams in California and how, you know, they, they came in and they wanted to remove all the dams and you know, just like now, Biden's trying to remove the hydropower dams that provide power in the Pacific Northwest. They've already been removing some of these dams in California. But then California realized, oh wait a minute, those dams also keep more water in the groundwater, in the water table—not just the water that's in the reservoir, but it 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 holds back more water for the water table, which helps prevent more wildfires from breaking out. So now they're after removing dams. They're encouraging people to create fake beaver dams to hold the water back a little bit here, and so I, I mean, what what are they damn thinking back there?
2: <laughs> um, I, I think there's this big push to sort of re, rewild um, land, and we do have there's a lot of crops. Like California's number one in agriculture, and and that's not putting down any other state whatsoever. We have our, our farmers in our Central Valley who just produce a lot of food, not only for for our nation. And so, you know, one of the things we're dealing with, and I hadn't heard of the fake beaver dams yet, but one of the things that we're working that, that is a problem for us in Northern California is they're removing a lot of the dams off the Klamath River. And so what they've done is punched hole in these dams, and now everything's just running downstreams. And unfortunately, it really destroyed the environment that was behind the dams and the ecosystem that was built there. And so now we have, you know, all this, the soot and mud and stuff rolling down the river and we're having fish die off. We're having deer and, and birds getting caught. And, and it's just, it's just an a environmental disaster for us. And that's, I think the reason why, you know, groups like Montana agri-women, California women for agriculture, and, you know, our national organization of American agri-women are really important you know, we're uh, nonpartisan organizations. We bring women together to help to promote agriculture and to, you know, quite frankly, fight against some of the things that are that are going on, but also to in, inform the general public. And part of that is to inform our legislators about, look, this is really how it affects agriculture.
1: Yeah. And, and you were telling us during the break, too, how you've got pictures and pictures and pictures of the wildlife that is dying literally getting stuck in the mud because of the environmental destruction that they remove removed the dams uh, nonsense has caused and it's like you know if if this wildlife damage had occurred from an oil spill it'd be all over the international news media but because it's a problem they caused doesn't fit the narrative they don't want to show you the pictures kind of like when the wolves slaughter the lambs they don't want to show you the the pictures of the slaughtered lambs meg foreign you know uh did you ever watch the movie tommy boy with chris farley yeah. Remember when they run over the deer mm-hmm. and then they put the deer in the back seat and then the deer comes back to life? Right. That's like waters of the U.S. <laughs> How many times does this thing need to have to be killed, but yet then it comes, pops up back to life? Coming back. Boy, you know, they just keep trying like to resurrect a, this thing, huh? Like
3: a bad boyfriend. <laughs> coming back. Uh, this is something that really affects farmers and ranchers in particular, and especially a state like Montana, Where water is such a big issue, and this is true across the entire state. Our eastern uh, communities, they struggle with having enough water, and the same is true for our western communities, but it's a different type of water that we're dealing with. And I think especially back east, it's not something that they really understand because a lot of those states have too much water, and they don't know what to do with it. So we get the waters of the U.S. and what some people don't understand is that they can say a puddle that's in the street is part of that waters of the U.S. where it should be navigable waters is what that it's it's just this it's too large, too broad that it's trying to encompass all of the water. And it just is more bureaucracy, more red tape that keeps farmers and ranchers doing the job to the best of their ability, to the best way that they know how. And we are encompassed with feeding the world. We're having to feed more people with less resources. And we have bureaucracy that's keeping us from doing that. And so that's the most difficult thing. So we did have, like, we had a win with Lotus, but...
1: Here it is again. Yeah, yeah, back from the dead, like that buck, you know, uh, in the Tommy Boy movie. Um, I love the uh, the boyfriend that keeps coming back reference, yeah. too. Like, oh, get out of here, dude. Uh, this, <laughs> we won't even talk about the 2024 elections and use a similar analogy. How do we keep getting stuck with some of these people? Um, Rose Tryon, you know, another story. I mentioned that Jordan Peterson podcast talking about the farmers of Europe and some of the bullet points that stood out to me. From a February 1st write-up I put on our Montana Talks website, Germany pushing a 10% reduction of farms and farmland, 50% reduction in farm inputs. How would you feel if you went to the doctor and they said, you know, we're going to give you a 50% reduction in your inputs. See, you're going to get 50% of the painkillers while we do your surgery. Ow, no. Um, They're pushing the increase in fuel taxes, you name it. But then um, there was another report this week that we had uh, on the radio uh, here in Montana Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack was talking about the reduced number of farmers in America. He says that in just five years, we've seen 142,000 fewer farms in five years. One of our callers yesterday said, yeah, but I don't know if those numbers are that accurate because not everybody is included in these numbers. But what do you think is happening? We've seen a revitalization of, of the Western lifestyle and a renewed interest in you know, farming and ranching and agriculture, but man, with the input costs and everything else, it's a, it's a tough road to hope.
2: You know, sometimes, and, and, and I'm just gonna say how it feels to me, not that I have any of the facts or anything to to um, to prove it, but it feels like some of the larger farmers are able to survive. It feels like the our current government um, is giving money to some of the small, as they call them, small stakeholder farmers. So I feel like this middle section of farming is what's really having a tough time. It's uh, the people, the farmers that aren't s- so big that they can, you know, absorb some of the costs and things like that. And then, you know, the smaller farmers that are maybe getting, you know, some help to get started and get going. And I feel like it's that middle group that are really having a tougher time.
1: Boy, what an analogy on just Americana in general, where, whereas we see, where whereas we see basically you know, yeah, if you're technically poor enough, you can get all this money from the government or, or or whatever. And then if you're wealthy enough, yeah, you can figure out a way to survive what's going on. But it's it's people in the middle incomes that constantly get hammered by inflation and everything else. And nobody's there to bail you out. Yeah. Well, what are what are some other topics that you want to talk about that maybe I haven't brought up yet that are just, you know, on the minds of of agro women all across America?
2: So I think a lot of it is, is it's just really important for um, women, agri- agriculture, women in agriculture to come together and to work together to try to make a difference in some of these policies. And I think we'd really like to invite all the women in Montana who are listening to this, um, po- this show right now to come join Montana AgriWomen. Um, it's a great group of women. We focus on policy. Um, I'll just give you a little bit of breakdown. On how our meetings work, so our next meeting is going to be in April, and it'll be in Kansas, Manhattan, Kansas. It'll be April fourth, I think, through the fifth. I think, yeah. And then, um, and that's our uh, our meeting where we work on all of our policy. So we literally go over within a period of two days every policy that we have in our books. We make sure that they're up to date. We make sure that they're correct. And we all come together. And it's like, you know, Megan talked about earlier. If we don't all agree, then we just sit and work through it. There you go. And and we come up with some really great policies. And then um, that leads into our uh, legislative fly-in, which we do in Washington, D.C. in June. And we have a symposium there on a certain topic. And then, you know, we actually meet with a lot of the uh, regulatory agencies. And then we meet with our... um, our legislators when we're there and that's going to be in june 2nd uh through the fifth i believe and then in that meeting we're really inviting all the other agricultural women organizations to come join us you know whether you're a part of american agri Women a lot or not we would like to get everybody there so we can really um you know, start to try to talk with our legislators, talk with these regulatory agencies and go, look, you know, this plan may sound good to you on paper, but this is how it works on our farms and ranches.
1: Yeah, that's great. Well, you know, and, you know, Meg was telling me earlier how, you know, you come from Paradise, California, you and so many others lost, you know, practically, if not everything in that, those big fires that swept through there. How do you recover from something like that?
2: So, you know, it's, I'm not going to say it's been easy. It's been pretty difficult. In uh, 2018, uh, wildfires swept through um, the town of Paradise. And overnight, I think we went from 27,000 to 4,000 people. So um, 90 to 95% of all the structures were lost in Paradise. Um, one of my biggest frustrations, it, you know, I've been a long time advocate of, of responsible forest management. Yeah. So, you know, of course I lose my home in a, in a wildfire. Um, and one of the things that was really frustrating for me is getting rid of all these dead and dying trees that were mm-hmm. up there. Because we all know that beetle bark, you know, once they start to hit, it's, it's.
1: And that'll fuel more fires uh, in the future. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. And so because of that, I ended up running for the town council. And so I was elected to the Paradise Town Council. And, you know, that has been one of my focuses is, is really trying to get all the rest of the trees off the ridge. Um, but we are rebuilding. Um, we're, it's pretty amazing how much we've come back because it also happened right after COVID. So then we had all the COVID things to deal with uh, as part of our That's rebuild. right.
1: Just one, one hit after another. Well, uh, Rose Tryon and Meg Warren, so great to have both of you here in studio with us. Thanks for dropping in. And, uh, yeah, i encourage everybody, if you can, make it to the uh, Montana Agro Women. Uh, they can they, st- they can still sign up?
3: Absolutely. And- register on site. It'll be open and available. All right. So, thanks for having us. Thank I you
1: so you. much. Quick break. Phone lines are open for you. Next. This is where Montana talks at with Lane Nordler.
0: Farmers can use existing dicamba stocks.
4: An Arizona district court vacated the 2020 registration of over-the-top dicamba products, so the Environmental Protection Agency issued an existing stocks order. The order allows limited sale and distribution of dicamba products that were already in possession of growers or in trade channels outside of the control of pesticide companies by February 6th. The order also prohibits the use of these dicamba products, except where the use is consistent with the previously approved labeling, which included measures intended to reduce environmental damage caused by offset movement of the pesticide. The EPA issued the order after receiving enough evidence that millions of gallons of OTT dicamba had already entered the trade channels before February six. Federally subsidized crop insurance will cost an additional $27.7 billion over the next decade. A Congressional Budget Office report says the government pays roughly 62 cents of each dollar in premiums and sales of livestock and forage policies are exploding. Crop insurance costs should rise by 29 percent to nearly $125 billion for the decade ending in 2033. Despite the increase, USDA spending on crop and livestock payments and land stewardship programs should remain stable. While crop insurance costs likely will increase, the Senate A committee says that projected costs for all farm bill related programs are now one point four six trillion between twenty twenty
0: five and twenty thirty-four. I'm Lane. North- Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. This is where Montana Talks.
1: All right, well, now we're going to get into the big news of the day here, the big local news here in Montana, the big national news. But more importantly, we're going to open up the phone lines for you, 406-294-0970 anything and everything you want to talk about here on montana talks yeah obviously the big uh, local news story here uh montana congressman matt rosendale announcing yesterday that he is dropping out of the u.s senate race here in montana some of you already heard that news story we'll talk about that uh want to get your reactions as well uh, and what do you think? Uh, is he going to run for reelection in the House? Uh, cause now that he stepped, uh, out of the Senate race, will he instead run for reelection in the House? What do you think? Uh, says, uh, right now he, it, it doesn't sound clear whether he's gonna run or not. 406 294 0970. And then, of course, what about Fancy? I mean, Fanny. What about Fanny Willis? Did you guys watch this soap opera? that took place yesterday, I was watching Fannie Willis sit there and testify about all the money that she has basically stolen from the taxpayers to go on all of these fancy trips all over the world. You know, think about it. Fannie Willis, for those who who haven't been following this national news story, Fannie Willis is the prosecutor in Fulton County, Georgia, who is leading this political persecution against Donald J. Trump. And what Fannie Willis has now been busted for, and there was this hearing that was taking place yesterday, Fannie Willis has now been busted for basically she gave $650,000 in taxpayer funds to her boyfriend to be one of the prosecutors prosecuting Donald J. Trump. And, and then he took the $650,000 that she gave to him of taxpayer funds, and they went on fancy trips all over the world, all over the world. Here's just one excerpt that Jesse Waters featured last night on his show on Fox News. You also said that he was a world traveler and been on many of the continents. has been to six. Have you been on any of those continents with him
5: um. besides this one? Uh, where's Belize? What continent is that?
2: I'm not being funny. I don't know. Let's uh, say with the attention of the Belize with him. I've been to the Bahamas with him. I've been with Farouba with him. Don't embarrass me. I'm not sure what continents those are on. Whatever continents those are, that's where I've been
1: Okay, Aruba's in South America, Belize is in North America. She sounds like she's on the streets getting quizzed by Johnny. My goodness. Oh, Fanny Willis, you had your one big chance. Your one big chance in the spotlight. What is this, the first time ever that a president of the United States of America has ever been prosecuted like this? Uh, you know, I, I couldn't help but think of uh, a great Reba McIntyre song as I was uh, listening to this uh, telenovela. Soap opera that was taking place yesterday with Fanny. You had your one chance, Fanny. All right, there you go. The great Reba McIntyre, of course, uh, she did a great job with the national anthem at the Super Bowl last Sunday as well. Yeah, this Fanny Willis story just absolutely crazy, uh, and and she was sitting there saying, "Oh well, I paid for some stuff too." Yeah, I, I paid for the wine trips, and I paid for a bottle of wine here and there. Man, she had her one chance, and Fanny Dunn let him down. Four zero six two nine four zero nine seventy. Yeah, the other big uh, story here, of course, uh, is. Uh, The big news about the U.S. Senate race here in Montana, according to Politico, they were the first to break this news yesterday. Congressman Rosendale dropping out of the U.S. Senate race. Uh, The question now is, will Congressman Rosendale run for reelection in the U.S. House of Representatives, or is he done with Congress altogether? From the Politico report, here's what Rosendale said in a prepared statement. As everyone knows, I have planned to run for the U.S. Senate and to win both the primary and the general election. However, the day I announced, President Trump then announced that he was endorsing a different candidate. By my calculations, with Trump endorsing my opponent and the lack of resources, the hill was just too steep. So will Rosendale run for re-election in the House? You know, several uh, candidates have already announced that they are are wanting to run for that eastern Montana congressional seat. Well, this was the line that stood out to me in a KTVH TV report yesterday afternoon. Rosendale said he will be returning back to Montana soon to be with his family and will prayerfully consider what is next. Uh, meanwhile. Uh, Navy SEAL veteran Tim Sheehy, who got that endorsement from President Trump last Friday, said this about Congressman Rosendale. He says, Matt, Montana is grateful for your service and for showing Washington, D.C. what it means to hold the line on reckless spending. I know working together, we will win this race and defeat John Tester. Into the phone lines we go, we've got Kevin in Billings. Kevin, thanks for the call. And uh, what's your thoughts?
6: Well... Did you listen to Matt Rosendale's interview on The War Room with Steve Bannon?
1: Yeah, I've seen a few of them, yeah.
6: Well, uh, Steve Daines, I don't think, is the great American that we all thought he was. Now, I would much rather have Steve Daines than somebody like John Tesco, don't get me wrong. But when he comes to Matt Rosendale and basically says, don't run because you're upsetting the establishment here in Washington, which I'm paraphrasing. And Matt Rosendale says, that's what I'm here fighting for is the American people. And Steve Dean says, what am I supposed to tell the billionaires out there who they're putting billions of dollars? And Matt Rosendale says, save your money till till after the primaries then Donald Trump endorses Steve Daines, I think there's a lot more here to the story than what we're being told, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that Brian uh, Zinke and Donald Trump Jr. are hunting partners, have been for a decade, to my understanding, and so uh, I'm sure Donald Trump Jr. said he's got to endorse Tim Sheehy, and then Mitch McConnell somehow got into this. I think there's some dirty pool going on here.
1: Uh, see, I... I think what's going on here is Steve Daines is the chairman of the National Republican Senatorial Committee, and Steve Daines wants to win back majority control of the United States Senate, and Donald Trump wants to win back Republican control of the United States Senate, because if he wins back the White House, he wants to have a Senate that will work with him to make America great again. I think what, what this all shows is that Steve Daines and the NRSC are in it to win it. And 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 look, we've all known this has been going on for, I would say at least a year. This back and forth, and it finally came to a head. Now, I think I think Steve Daines, it, it, you know, I think it's pretty well known that, that people have been saying to to Matt, Matt, you're doing a great job in the house. Why not stay in the house? Uh, you lost the last go around. I, and I think that's what Steve Daines said is, hey, you aren't going to be able to raise the money. You aren't going to be able to pull off the victory. So why not stay in the house instead? I, I, I don't see the dirty pool in that. I think it's I think it's a sign of of Steve Daines being that committed to a victory this November.
6: Well, yes, but also I, I was—I'll admit—I I, still—I was worried about Matt Rosendale running for Senate because I didn't want him to be compromised like Mitch McConnell and so many others. But let's remember too, Steve Daines does have, according to the Freedom Index, FreedomIndex.org, a 100% vote are 100% record with the Constitution, voting constitutionally. And if he would hold the line on the Senate, great. But I was I did worry about the fact that he might have been compromised if he got into the Senate. I don't know. I I think
1: I think the people that were that were hoping this primary would go another direction. were trotting out that line. But I I think what it really shows, I, I think the guy who was really devastated by yesterday's news is Chuck Schumer chuck schumer has been desperately spending money to try to interfere in the republican primary here in montana and he was trying to to create disunity he wanted the republicans to be doing nothing more than fighting each other for the next four months all to help john tester so so chuck schumer and john tester i mean think about it they've already spent six million dollars trying to interfere in this republican primary and uh They were the most uh, disappointed uh, by the news yesterday. As for Mitch McConnell, I mean, I I think Mitch McConnell's on his way out. I, I wish that was sooner rather than later. But I think what's actually very interesting, Donald Trump, you notice when he made that endorsement last week, He praised the efforts of Steve Daines as the chairman of the NRSC. You remember Steve Daines came out and endorsed Donald J. Trump several months ago, and he encouraged his fellow Republican senators to coalesce behind uh, Trump several months ago. Tim Sheehy endorsed uh, Trump several months ago. I think what Senator Daines is doing... Uh, And and I think very diplomatically and very brilliantly so is he is trying to move the Republican Senate into a more conservative direction, certainly into a more pro-Trump direction. Uh, And uh, frankly, I I think increasingly the chatter is that Mitch McConnell is on his way out. That's why people are wondering who the next Senate majority leader might be. And that's why I think there's a very good chance that if he's able to pull off a big victory in Uh, taking back the Senate this fall, he could be the first majority leader from Montana since Mike Mansfield.
0: Broadcasting live across the great state of Montana. Powered by the Montana Electric Cooperative Association. Your Montana Electric Cooperative. They do much more than keep the lights on for you. This is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint.
1: All right, phone lines are open for you. In fact, if you call in right now, we should be able to sneak you on before we run out of time. 406-294-0970. Uh, Hey, quick question uh, out there for our listeners. I I haven't, you know, I've been, since I've been on the air here for the last hour, I haven't been able to look to see if there is an update yet. Let me check my email to see if Malmstrom Air Force Base responded to me uh, from their uh, public affairs officer here. Nope, doesn't look like I have anything yet. Uh, The other big story yesterday, have, uh, have you guys found out, have you heard if, If they've told us one way or the other why they had the lockdown on Malmstrom Air Force Base yesterday, as as far as we know, there was a an active shooter drill an exercise that was taking place. But then in the middle of that exercise, they believe that there was also a real world threat elsewhere on the base. So they locked down the base. Um, I spoke earlier this morning with Cascade County Sheriff Jesse Slaughter. He's uh, He was tied up for the rest of the morning. or We would have talked to him live in this hour of the show. But I, I spoke with him earlier, and what he said was very interesting because he says he, even as a local sheriff, does not know if that was a real threat or, or, or what happened there. Um, so he hasn't been able to get that information out yet. But one of the concerns he – one of the frustrations he expressed was that that the the moment they got word that there was likely a real world threat, his deputies immediately responded to go provide support. But the, and then and then what Sheriff Slaughter did was he went to the emergency operations center to, you know, to to provide command and control of, of his elements from there. But he sent his under sheriff and one of his captains to go to Malmstrom Air Force Base to provide command and control for his uh, and unified command for his deputies that were on the scene at Malmstrom, and the base would not let them onto the base. Uh, so anyway, but he he said he's in communication with Colonel Little there, and, and Colonel Little said, yeah, that was not supposed to happen. So uh, so that that was one th- one discussion they've already had. But as far as we know, we still do not know. Uh, uh, you know any any more details about uh, about what caused the actual uh, lockdown there? All right, into the phone lines we go. Chris in Columbia Falls, great to hear from you. What's on your mind?
7: Hi, Aaron. Um, you know, I wonder if uh, many people out there still had a, or can remember what their mothers and fathers used to teach them as far as getting a point uh, across. Because sometimes you just live with the consequences. So people like John Tester and and uh, you know, Mark Roscoe, how about him? Uh Max Pacus. they still living with with problems that they portrayed and forced on the state of Montana. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, my mother used to say, if you sleep with dogs you'll get fleas. <laughs> now it didn't take much. I'm not uh, you know, I'm not insinuating that John Tester or anybody else is a dog, but certainly, you know, we got we got the point, even at that age. So if you're going to be hanging around people, you know, that are doing the same old dirty old thing uh, to this this state and to the country, we're going to live with those consequences for a long time.
1: Well, it's kind of like I have to laugh.
7: To to go back in history and start remembering just what some of these people uh, that had power, you know, governors, and what they did to to the state that you're still living
1: under. Well, or what John Tester is doing to this state right now with the illegal aliens that are coming in because of the wide-open southern border with shutting down the Keystone XL pipeline. I mean, that's why I kind of had to laugh earlier when uh, when Meg Foreign was, was talking about WOTUS and waters of the U.S. and, you know, it's, it's, it's the bad uh, boyfriend that keeps trying to come back. It's like, how do we keep getting stuck with Tester? Why do people keep allowing him to come back? And yet all these problems he causes right uh chris thanks for the call sorry to make it quick i uh, want to sneak in one more caller here before we run out of time at least brad in kalispell brad thanks for the call
5: morning thank you Yeah, morning. Hey, I, I don't know if you've already talked about it this morning i just tuned in but you know I, i'm a conservative i'm a property owner here in montana i'm watching my property taxes go up and up and i'm glad that being for a, you know set up a task force to to review the the property tax situation but i'm not impressed with the fact that they've already ruled out the option for a sales tax i mean that's one of the sure ways to take that tax burden off of property owners and you know i think it should be open to all discussions there's definitely some states that are having success with uh, a sales tax in lieu of property taxes and i'd just like to see them you know, look at this in a broader way and see if maybe there is an option that's going to be better.
1: Yeah. So for folks who hadn't seen it, um, actually our producer, Travis Lee, did a, did a write-up on our Montana Talks website regarding a Montana sales tax, and he included a, a story. And, and in, that, uh, in that piece where uh, it says, quote, Gianforte says statewide sales tax off the table, as his property ta- uh, tax task force uh, gears up. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. My take anyway is I know there's some folks out there that really like the idea, but it's pretty much been dead on arrival with the Montana voters whenever the topic has come up. So I think he's just kind of saying, look, that ain't going anywhere. Let's talk about stuff that actually has a shot at going somewhere. I think that's what the governor's basically saying.
5: Yep, no, I, I I see his point. It it would just be nice if they look at some options and relay that to uh, Montana residents in a in a way that you know, if there's a way to reduce property tax and you know i've done the math myself and kind of thrown some deep face figures out for what a property tax or a sales tax might be and then kind of estimated what i spend per year and
1: so you think it would pencil out out for the better all right we got it we got to hold it there we're out of time but thanks for calling